Gates of Hell podcast on the Field of 16 Network with my man, the legend, Colas Williamson. Colas is called 30 Minutes of Hell. It's not going to be that painful. But, you know, it'll go by quick, I promise. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Looking forward to it, man. How you been doing? Good, man. So, yeah, let me start out. What, um, where are you at? Are you back living in Arkansas? Yeah, I'm back home. So I'm back here in uh, Little Rock. Uh, we moved back about a year and a half ago. The boys are going to school at Little Rock Christian and uh, just decided to come home and take a break from coaching and get them through high school right now. That's the most important. Hey, that is, it's like coaching, right? I mean, that's what you are, teacher, a coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see the old school, see the old school jersey back there? Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I still squeeze back. <laughs> you Where's all your in it? Yeah. <laughs> Where's all your stuff hanging? Where do you do you have a room? No, I don't. I mean, I, most of my jerseys are still just in boxes right now um, because we've moved around so much with me coaching. Um, it's hard to really get somewhere and get them set up. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of these days, when I'm when I finally get settled somewhere, I want to try to build me a little little shrine in my in my house or whatever for me. Yeah, it's probably gonna have to be like a second house, man. You know. Oh uh, no. Nah. <laughs> But before we get into, because I, I do want to talk about <clears throat> you, your impact in basketball in Arkansas. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but whenever we have a bet going and we want to sort of like uh, make the odds on the field, if there's an overwhelming favorite that we know will win, we, gotta, we, we call we call us the field. Like you cannot take oh, yeah. <laughs> this favorite because you've done it all. On every level, oh, especially for the state. <laughs> but let me start out with this time of the year. Um, how do you feel? You get what's the excitement level? Even though you've played in the NBA, won an NBA championship, and coached, uh, and it's been twenty-something years. But your level—well, actually, you know, not since you coached on the college level at UCA. But what's your level of excitement when this time of year rolls around? I mean, this is the best time. Uh, of the year for basketball. I mean, you look at high school, it's it's their time to uh, to get to the uh, tournaments and start playing for championships. And then, you, of course, we all know March Madness for college. So, um, I mean, it's just exciting. You get a chance to sit around and watch a lot of basketball, high-level basketball at that. And you know that every, you're going to get their, everyone's best game because they know if they lose, the season's over. And so um, just just watching all of the games and then reminiscing on the experiences I had as a player, it just makes this time of the year uh, that more special to me. So obviously you played in national championship game, backpack final fours, but three sweet 16s. You're a freshman, <laughs> 93. What was this, this, this week for you leading up to the sweet 16 games? Right now, you—it's a different scenario from '93 to '94. But what was what was it like going back to campus, and where was your head at uh, this Sweet 16 week? Well, you know, man, it was exciting because we weren't expected to do a lot, uh, especially our freshman, my freshman year after losing Todd Day and Lee Mayberry and Oliver Miller in the Big Three. So um, you know, we were called Richardson's Runts, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, it was just an exciting time and being able to surprise everyone and play well and make it to the Sweet 16. It was almost like a championship game for us because we were so young and inexperienced. 
So, uh, you know, this week here leading up, we were just excited. Like, hey, you know, we never know. We may have a chance to move on to the Elite Eight. So your confidence is a lot higher because now you've moved on to the next round and uh, start believing, hey, we may possibly have a chance. So uh, this week was very big for us as far as confidence building and getting ready to go play North Carolina. Yeah, why, why do you think the Sweet 16, it seems like that's a level of the tournament that is te most teams, unless you're a heavy favorite like this year, Gonzaga and Baylor and those teams, but why do you think it's for most teams that's like the level that you want to get to? And, and that's almost like the yeah. measuring stick for big time programs. Right. I mean, if you look at it, like making it to the tournament, some some teams get hot in their conference tournament and they're able to make it in. Or uh, someone may end up getting lucky and, and, and upsetting someone in the first round. You know, everyone's expected to win, especially if you're a higher seed, you're expected to win that first round game. And that just moves you know, to, the, uh, to the second round. And that's, like you said, that's the measuring stick. Winning that second game, you know, that means it's not a fluke. We didn't get lucky. Yeah. Uh, we're taking care of business. Normally, if you're a higher seed, it's a better team that you're playing in that second round. And to make that jump into that second week, you know, it's, it's, just so, it's, it's just so big for you as a program and as a team because now it's like, hey, we've made that next level. Right. And it helps you in recruiting. It helps you confidence building in case you don't get past the Sweet 16 you have something to build on for the next year and a goal to set to possibly make it to the Elite Eight and beyond that. So one of the things that I, I was talking to somebody with, which is unique about this year in this strange, bizarre year with COVID going on, like when we went to the Sweet 16, that few days in between when we went back to campus, oh man, we lost focus quick. People hugging us, patting us on the back. We're the greatest thing. We're back, we're doing this. How did you guys let's let's turn to the 9014 because 93, like you said, you guys are basically freshmen, sophomores going up against Rasheed Wallace, North Carolina, Sweet 16, tough matchup. But that 94 title run, how did you keep your focus in, in leading up to the Sweet 16 and then obviously throughout the Elite Eight to keep your eye on the prize and not buy into you're the greatest thing? Right. So you know, just like I said, talking about the experience of the previous year of making it to the elite six, I mean, uh, to the sweet 16. Like I said, it makes you hungry, makes you say, okay, we want to take that next step. And that was our focus coming back to campus in 1994. Um, you know, throughout that season, we um, I thought we played great basketball. I mean, we, we, of course, we didn't win the tournament, the SEC tournament, but um, we just had a feel about ourselves, a walk about ourselves, confidence that Coach Richardson instilled in us. Like, hey, this is, we have an opportunity to actually win a national title. Right. So coming back home, we were all focused. You know, we we had a chance to enjoy it the year before, but now it's like, okay, hey, we we're, we're about business. We want to make it to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and win a national championship. So our focus was there the entire time, and Coach Richardson did a great job of helping us block out the noise and making sure that we stayed focused on the task at hand. Do you think if you guys had won the SEC tournament, that, what was that, the loss? Was it Kentucky in the finals? Was that 95? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that would have yeah. – do you think that, that loss helped you in any way getting a, or it wouldn't have mattered really? No, I actually think the loss helped us. You know, it, you know because you're, you're in the tournament, you're fighting hard, and all of a sudden, you, you know, we're on the street. We're thinking, okay, hey, we can win the SEC tournament and go on to win a national championship. But to have that 
kind of a wake up call. Like, okay, it can happen. You can lose. Right. You, know, right. you have to bring your game, a game, every game. Um, I thought that really helped us and not to say that we lost focus, but it helped us sharpen our focus even more and really get prepared for the tournament because, you know, just like that game we lost against Kentucky, it can happen in the NCAA tournament and that'll be it. So uh, I thought that game really helped us when we lost. So I'm sure that you've done a lot of interviews recently just with the success of the Hogs. I know everybody is wanting to get information, you know, everything has happened back in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, people have talked about Coach Richardson, and they said he's a he's a players coach. And so, and maybe not your typical college coach in terms of how he interacted with his players. So, what what um, what was his relationship with you guys? You know, it's I think notorious for somebody who came after you guys, and you know how coach would always throw things back in your face about the previous group that he had. And, 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 and what he would always talk about was your group, how he could treat you like men. It was just, it was almost, um, you know, like it was a special relationship. How did he, how did he treat you guys? How, what was that relationship like in the locker room, off the court? That wasn't your t typical college coach player relationship. You know, he did treat us like men. I mean, we had a, a pretty mature group. Uh, group of guys. Uh, I think, you know, you look at me and Scotty coming in as freshmen. Um, we were kind of mature. And even the guys that we had that stepped in after um, Todd and those guys left, like Corey Beck, Dwight Stewart, Elmer Murray, guys who came in from junior college, they had that opportunity to mature. And they were there the year before when Todd and them were there, but they weren't able to play. So we just had a group that had a lot of maturity. So when you talk about Coach Richardson and our relationship, you know, it wasn't like, hey, you know, buddy, buddy, pow, pow. But it was more, like you said, on, on a man-to-man -man basis. You know, we're talking about uh, life situations. You know, we're all college kids. We we messed up and you get in trouble or didn't do something in class. And it wasn't like he was coming in and talking to you like a kid. He, he'd right. break it down to you like a real man. So uh, I thought that really helped us and, and it helped us mature even more. Um, you know, and that relationship is just special. I mean, even now, you know, just I can call on him and, you know, just kind of let them know where I'm at or if I'm having an issue uh, with coaching and, and I bring it to him, you know, he'll just shoot you straight. And that's something I'll always appreciate and uh, and thankful for. It helped that Al Dilla was 26, Corey, right. and, Corey <laughs> and Duke were probably 23, right? 24. Yeah. <laughs> you and Scotty were obviously like mature beyond your years. You know, Scotty was always old man river. There's no question right. about that. I think he, <laughs> I think he had like a, a you know retirement fund before he even got to college. You know, Scott, <laughs> you know how Scotty's probably still got his little yellow per diem envelopes. Oh yeah, he's got that stuff somewhere, somewhere around his house. Was yeah. it, was it true, Coach? He didn't even have to give you guys a a, a, a nights out, a, a lights out. There was no, there was no checking in on you. It was, you guys had your own bedtimes and all that curfew curfew yeah. put a curfew yeah. on your like you had to us I, <laughs> no I, I can't remember curfew you know i, I really can't <laughs> remember curfew for our team um you know we heard the stories about the coaches coming around checking the dorm rooms and things like that but um we you didn't guys weren't there to confirm it <laughs> no no right there you go <laughs> but um no we didn't we didn't get that that much at all um you know, there was a, 
we even had an opportunity to move off campus at the earliest time that, that we were allowed to as student athletes. He trusted us and uh, to be responsible enough. And, and we were, we took care of business and didn't, you know, we didn't, they didn't come back to bite coach or, or anything like that. Um, but I will tell you this, so uh, God rest his soul, you know, notes. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he would come around every now and then, you know, there's a party or something. He, he'd always circle around. And I remember uh, he called, me and Lee Wilson out one night, <laughs> hanging out at a party, coming out of a party. We were leaving early from the party, but we were out and we probably should have been home. And so uh, he told us, he said, I won't say anything to coach if you guys come out and play, because we played Alabama the next day. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think I ended up having like 28 or 30 in the game. So he never said anything. We won, so. <laughs> he knew how to keep a secret when he had to. There's no doubt about it. Right, right. <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> That's funny about that. I, I, I moved off campus my junior year, and I, the first shooting slump I went through, Coach Coach Anderson was like, man, that's why I told you don't move out of the dorm. That dorm made you the man you are today. <laughs> like, oh, I had that game, Coach. I had that game. <laughs> what, <All right. laughs> what was uh, in that locker? What, who were the, 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 the leaders? for you guys, that 94 national championship team. We talked about how mature that you guys were, but not so much who was the loudest voices, because mm -hmm. we could probably figure out who, who some of those guys were, but right. <laughs> the readers were, when things got rough that, you know, you had to step up and, and, and uh, take control. You know, I, I right off the bat, Corey Beck. And, yeah. you know, Coach Richardson said it, I believe if you ask anyone, on that team, who was our leader? Who was the guy that really pulled us together and got us going in rough times? It would be Corey Beck. Um, you know, it didn't matter if you were the last guy on the bench or, you know, one of the starters. If you felt you weren't giving it your all, he'd speak up and say something. There were times he, he got on to me. But the beauty of it was we all held each other accountable. And it wasn't personal. You know, that, I think that was one of the things that that team, that made that team special. So Corey could yell at me, I could yell at Corey, um, vice versa, me and Scotty could get into it. But no one took it personal. We knew it was about what was best for the team. And we continued to fight and play for one another. And that was, that's what made our team special. What, what, what was uh, off the court like with, with you guys? What, what, what was like relaxing downtime? Because uh, you seemed pretty close. To me, yeah. you know, watch, you know, just kind of watching you guys, even when you got together for certain events, what, what, uh, a lot of, a lot of high stakes Uno going on down there. <laughs> or Tunk, as they used to play, a lot of Tunk games, a lot of, uh, a lot of dominoes, uh, spades, stuff like that. But no, yeah. we spent a lot of time together off the court. And yeah. that, that was, uh, again, that was another thing that made our group special because, um, Regardless of what was going on in class or on the court, when, when things when all that was over, you couldn't find, you know, just one player by itself off somewhere. Majority of the time, you'd see two or three together, or you see us all together as a group. Right. So um, that was uh that that made that group special. That made that the time that we spent up there uh, special. And even now, if we haven't seen each other for months or years on. When we get together, you know, it's just like we've never left. It's that we still have that bond. So one of the – this a documentary should be made about this. You guys, okay, 
Now, in this day and age, I see you got the swoosh. I got a swoosh, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to swoosh. Everybody wants to jump, man. Everybody, I love, <laughs> I love Adidas. I'm starting to become a Puma guy. Shout out to Puma. Oh, nice. <laughs> you guys were Apex. Come on, Big Nasty. What was the discussion? <laughs> so for those of you who don't remember Apex, like anybody <laughs> right now who's 40 and over, even Razorback fans, probably mm -hmm. have an Apex, you know, jacket or, or, or what, what were you guys in the locker room? What were you guys saying to each other when 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 they're handing out Apex? When Coach Stella goes, "Here's your Apex, guys, get them." Yeah. <laughs> you know what? To be honest with you, man, we didn't even think anything about it. I mean, because Coach is always like going against the grain, doing his own thing. Like we wore the Converse, and we really didn't like the shoes, but we wore Converse. That I mean, that was our shoe. That was his shoe of choice. That was so good. Converse. Yeah. We had some Apex uniforms. I think, uh, what was the other one? Bell or something like that it was one of the uniforms. Hey, so, hey, no, no, no hating on Apex. If they're listening, no. they're around anymore. No. We can still get a bunch of Apex gear so, somewhere in the storage <laughs> unit. <laughs> right, right. But no, the Apex was cool because all of a sudden, you know, we came in one day, we had those big long baggy shorts and we were in heaven. Then we we're like, okay, we'll roll with this. <laughs> what the, so I think people will forget once you start getting into like on the court strengths, it's funny. I, I listen to people and what they think you guys did so well to be not only the greatest team that year, but the greatest that, that ever threw on a uniform for, for the Hogs. What do you think were the strengths of that team in 94? And, and of course, 95, you guys were obviously right there. Uh, but what was the, the strengths on the floor that you guys uh, brought? Uh, I think, like, our basketball IQ as a whole yeah. was, was, was a big strength for us. Um, just recognizing situations on the court. I thought we passed and shared the ball mm -hmm. uh, with one another. So, I mean, of course, Scott and I were leading scorers, but, you know, it, it wasn't anything for Corey to have a big game and have 20 or, or Clint to have a big game or Dwight. And the fact that we were, our basketball IQ was high and we shared the basketball and then we were versatile. You know, guys can move around to different spots on the floor. It wasn't like we just had, centers that just had to stay inside you know they could pop outside and shoot or drive or make the pass from the perimeter as well as our guards like Corey could post up Scotty could post somebody at times so just our versatility and IQ to me was a strength that made us um they gave us the opportunity to be successful I'll say I'll say that like the two best passing teams that I saw and apologies to like some of Eddie Sutton's teams the, you know with Sydney and those guys mm -hmm. But when I watch like game tape of Todd, they Lee Mayberry's teams and, and, and how it, they whipped it around the perimeter quick. Nobody held on to it. And then watching your teams, you were the best passing team in the country, which allowed you guys to be a great shoot. It was just like everybody's perception, 40 minutes of hell. Oh, you must have had great athletes. Right. Had this. <laughs> it's like, no, they were the smartest team, the best. You remember Coach Rich always say, decisions, decision make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were the smartest team, the best passing team, obviously could shoot it, but you understood rotations defensively. And yeah, quarterback and Clint McDaniel will eat anybody up in the backcourt. Right. To me, it was just, 
uh, you, you guys, the basketball IQ people just never gave you enough credit. Uh, and actually, wasn't that leading to the Duke game? Coach almost tore somebody's head off, suggesting that you guys didn't have that that level of understanding the game. Yeah, I know. I remember that one commentator saying that the, the smartest team was going to win picking Duke, and I was just like, "Wow, what is this?" You know, like we we know about no, we know how to play basketball as well. So, um, but I, I was excited and happy that we won just for that reason. One of that that was one of the main reasons why. And also for Coach to give credit for what he's done, what he had done in Arkansas and, and throughout his coaching career. So when you when now you guys win Sweet 16 Elite Eight, that Final Four, that mentality was did it change? Were you now obviously you guys had a bigger goal in mind, but was it business as usual heading into Charlotte? Or was it sort of like, okay, we, we've got to make sure that you know, we're accepting what's going on here. And, and how did you guys handle that, all the attention? Same thing. Like, Coach just he found a way to keep us focused. You know, um, the song, Ain't No Stopping Us Now. And he kept playing that every day during practice. You want to warm oh, up. Oh, yeah. I um, heard him. So when yeah. he's playing, so he blares through the speakers during practice. Nobody's going to, what is it? Nobody's going to stop us now, which is like yeah. some kind of a disco song. Isn't it from the 70s? Yeah, ain't no stopping us now. Ain't no yeah. stopping us. Now, what, I mean, <laughs> this is the <laughs> 90s. What are you thinking? <laughs> right. You know, but it's so crazy, though. Like, when he first played it, we were just like, what is he doing? But the more he played and the more he played, you look around, guys are warming up, are stretching, singing the song, moving around. Yeah. And before you know it, you know, he's planting that subliminal message in your mind. It's like, hey, we're on a mission. Ain't no stopping us now. And that's the mentality that we took. You know, once we made it to the Final Four, it's like, okay, we're here. We're not just going to celebrate, you know, being in the Final Four and be happy if we lose and go home. No, we're here to make to accomplish a mission. And nobody's going to stop us at this moment. So that was, that was our mindset. Um, I don't think we even... I didn't even notice all the hoopla around us until after we won. Right. You know, because during that time, we were just so focused. You know, you're at practice. You're back at the hotel. You're hanging out with your teammates or whatever. You may have went off to the mall or something just to waste some time. But we stayed focused on the goal that we were there to accomplish. And, um, you know, Coach did a good job of keeping us that way. So I'm, I've been licking my chops, wanted to ask you this question. Uh, you guys, uh -oh. play, you guys play Arizona in the semifinal game. Damon Stoudemire, mm -hmm. they had a ta real talented team. Uh, a bunch of athletes, Reggie Geary, right on that mm -hmm. team, and big boy Blair yeah. on that team. Blair, yeah. And uh, and of course, you play Duke with Grand Hill, and um, you put. I think was Oklahoma State the other Final Four, right? With Big Country. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's just. No, take no, that was the year before. That was the year before. It was uh, Florida. That's right, with the meat hook. Demetrius yeah, the meat hook. Yeah. All right, so let's take let's take even Florida just just for this answer. You, uh, uh, Arizona, Dukies, put you guys put you in the tournament this year. How bad do you beat Gonzaga by? I mean, come on now. Like, <laughs> so with all these people talking, the game has changed. Thirty years, blah blah blah. How, how would you think that you guys would do in a tournament that's in 2021? Of course, you know, I'm going to say we're going to win it. <laughs> we beat them. We beat any team right now. But 
you know, it is hard. Like the game has changed, you know, with so much emphasis on the three-point line, um, the hand-checking rules, like, you know. That's probably a big move for you guys. That, that, would, that would be the, the one that would probably hurt us. So I, I would question this. Can we move, if we're moving us to their era of refereeing or we're moving <laughs> them back to our era of refereeing? But for those listening, <laughs> I just want to let everybody know that maybe there were a lot of teams in the 90s that don't play like teams today, but your team, my team, I went back and looked. You guys shot almost close to 40%, high 30% of your shots on the three-point line. So didn't my team. We were few and far between. Now you mm -hmm. have, instead of having 20 to 25 teams 30 years ago, you've got more like 100 teams doing it. Right. So that's, that's why when people are making comparisons, I say, just watch. Pop in a tape of that 94 team, 95 team. Mm -hmm. And you tell me, uh, uh, they didn't have Big Dwight Stewart. He, he can step out and hit a three. Colas Williamson could run the floor. He could defend the post at six, seven. Then he could step out and hit a three. And lead the break. Big nasty. And lead the break. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. So anyway, I get, I get obviously mm -hmm. passionate about, you know, I get, I'm gray in the hair now. So, so I got to defend all the other gray hair. <laughs> okay. Right on. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Last thing before I, I want to ask you one, one other question. Um, we're almost done. So the celebration, you win it. I know you guys, oh, from what I heard, you know how to have a good time as a group. <laughs> how, how, like, what happens in Charlotte? I mean, you can give me the PG version. Right. Because you might have some family members watching this. Right. <laughs> no, man, it was. It was exciting. I mean, we came back. By the time we got off the hotel, it literally took us 15, 20 minutes to get from the bus to our room. Like, all of the fans that were there at the hotel, it was just – it was crazy. Like, How long I've did you have a seen... on for? Wow. You must for a little while. Yeah, 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 I had it on for a while. I know while. you took I mean, your shirt off, though, probably, but you probably had your shirt nah, off. No, no, no. I wasn't like J.R. Smith, no, I kept my shirt on, but, you know, we get back to the room and then it's, you know, it's crazy. You know how we are as, as college students. We were hanging out in each other's rooms up all night. And I promise, I think we had to get up that morning at six, or maybe seven, Scotty and I, to do, a, uh -huh. was it was it Greg Gumbel or one of the guys that did a morning show? Right. And I think I just went to bed at like four. Or maybe it was even five, five that morning. So I had to be there at six, man. And I know Scott, I think Scotty nudged me, said, hey man, come on, we gotta go. And before I knew it, I dozed off and popped back up and they had to pan me in because I came to the interview <laughs> for about five or 10 minutes late. <laughs> hey, you earned it, you earned it. Um. Last thing is, you obviously grew up in Arkansas, Gatorade Player of the Year from Arkansas, uh, Arkansas State, you know, the, the, the Player of the Year, and, and then you go to your home state team and do something that is the, just the dreams of every kid growing up in the state, every kid growing up anywhere, right? 
Now you look at this roster, this Razorbacks roster. It's littered with Arkansas kids, man, and, and led by Moses Moody, obviously, Little Rock kid. I'm sure you know his pops, Kareem, and Jalen Williams, Devo Davis, K.K. Robinson, Connor Vanover, Desi Sills. I'm forgetting one. I apologize. How do you when, you, when you see that, the success they're having with those Arkansas kids, do you feel a sense of, like, you, you had an effect on that? What you were able to accomplish helped build that, the dream and the success of the, of the same kids? You know what? I didn't realize that until I think it was one time when maybe it was on social media and, I, and somebody put something out about our team or me being from Arkansas. And I read a comment, I think it was Joe Johnson put in there, like that was, um, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to go to Arkansas, you know, for him being younger than me, watching me play. So I think that that helped uh, start the trend. Um, and then you get Joe who comes up there and has a successful career and moves on. And uh, Ronnie Brewer and, um, you know, Bobby Porter, that having these guys from our state have success at home and, and then go on to be successful in the NBA. I think that really helps, you know, um, influence a lot of the young guys around here and uh, built up that love and respect for the Razorbacks and wanting to be a part of that program. You know, I'm all for guys staying at home. You know, I, I, I love, I love the Razorbacks, you know, I'm an Arkansas kid through and through, but um, you know, I'm always pulling for guys to, to, to stay at home because, you know, I feel like you can get whatever you can get at another university. You can get the same experience here at the University of Arkansas. And if we keep more of our kids at home like we're doing now and we started to do in the past, um, it, we have a chance to build a program to be successful. There's no question. And then, you know, like me, nobody wanted me to stay in the Boston area. So I had <laughs> to leave. I had to leave. I had no choice. Nobody wanted me. Hey, we wanted you. (laughs) (laughs) Also, going to give love, I'm sure, Sidney Moncrief, a Little Rock guy. um, And and Marvin Brewer Sr., Marvin Dell. All those guys, they they continue to build and build and build. And and you see how it's so important. And what's so unique, I think, about Arkansas is it's such a small state that is truly connected with each other. And it is Mm -hmm. not, you know, I mean – it's still very common for guys that played in the 60s, the 50s, 70s, all the way through now to be able to keep in touch. And I think that's, a, that's an incredible bond that Coach Muss is able to take care of. Speaking of that, and the last thing I'll let you get out is, uh, I don't know how much you've seen of this team. Uh, what do you like about them being able to move up to this point? What you like? And what do you think is going to help them in their strengths moving forward? You know, but to this point, like, you know, you see some games, they'd be down 15. I like the fact that they have no quit in them. You know, they believe that, you know, regardless of the deficit or whatever the game may be like at that time, they have an opportunity to come back. And uh, the fact that they share the basketball, number one, I mean, you got five guys averaging double figures. That, that's really unheard of any day on any team. Most of the time you have one or two main scores and that's it. But the fact that they share the basketball the way they do, and then they're so versatile mm-hmm. defensively and offensively, it's like, you know, how do you guard them? And, and they can guard you well. You know, Coach Must has done a great job of making them disruptive on the defensive end, taking away the other team's strengths, and putting, those guys, putting our guys in position to be successful offensively. So it's, it's a fun group to watch. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And 
They're in prime position, man, to even even go further. Oh yeah. Man, I appreciate yeah. you for spending some time. You look comfortable in that luxury ride. I'm sitting outside my son's practice. <laughs> ah, all right, I appreciate it, man. I know you're busy. Thanks, bro. I'll be in touch. Hey. Hopefully, I'll see you soon. Go hugs. And uh, it wasn't that painful, right? Everything's set up. No, man. I appreciate it, Pat. Enjoy it, man.